Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. partner and welcome to not just a sports report today jumping in uh, to some very slippery some very slimy creatures that can be found in Parramatta that being the eels Parramatta eels 2024 NRL season preview if you've been paying attention to not just a sports report uh, you would see or would know that this is right deep in the middle of my NRL 2024 preview series. Uh, This is a series I also did when I first began the podcast uh, in the end of 2021. Didn't do this series last year. Who cares? No one. Uh, But like I said, this is just one club in a 17-team series. So you can go back. Uh, I've been going up the ladder from 2023. So starting with the Tigers, ending with the Panthers, Uh, If I've already done your club, you can go back, have a listen. Uh, If I haven't done your club, well, they'll be coming thick and fast in the lead up to this season. But today, it is all about the Parramatta Eels, a team who in 2022 were grand finalists. But in this past season, despite an epic mid-season surge, the Eels would finish in 10th position. Uh, Now, one glaring issue that they seemed to have was the fact that they had five members of their grand final team depart Uh, in the previous season. We saw Reid Marnie leave, who in my opinion, I think that's the biggest loss of the lot. Because one thing I found with the Eels for the longest time was that they really couldn't nail down like an elite number nine. And that's no disrespect to the other guys that played there, uh, but they they tried a few guys in the position. I think Nathan Peets, he was probably their best for quite some time, ended up having to leave the club uh, when there were some dramas with Parramatta, not even with Nathan Peets. Uh, then after that, uh, not even after that, I remember they had Kaiser Pritchard there for a little bit, but for the longest time, they just could not nail down their dummy half. They finally did that with Reed Marnie, and then as soon as there's the chance for him to leave, They just let him leave, offer him a pretty low contract. So I still stand by the fact, I think Reid Marnie, a really significant loss for the club. They have, uh, of course, brought in Josh Hodgson, who I am a huge Josh Hodgson fan. But he, he was retired by the end of last season. So he's not even here now. So I still think that is the biggest departure. But they also lost Isaiah Papali'i. Maratha Niokore, Oregon Kalfusi, and to a lesser extent, given that they were already kind of shopping him around, Nathan Brown. Uh, but I think particularly Reed Marnie, Isaiah Papali'i, they also lost Ray Stone, uh, who came up with a massive play early in that season, did his ACL, uh, but that two competition points would actually see them finish in the top four. So they lost Ray Stone, uh, Oregon Kalfusi. He was a bench player, but he was consistently part of their 17, as was Murata Niokore, who started at lock forward 
in the grand final, uh, but particularly losing Isaiah Papali'i and Reid Marnie, those are two essential members of the team. Uh, and we saw that the Eels did suffer as they tried uh, to build some new combinations. 10th place finish in 2023, really poor start. Uh, of course, phenomenal through the mid-season, but it was not enough uh, once it got to the back end and they kind of petered out. So 10th place finish. Look, there were plenty of negatives with the Eels last year. Uh, a lot of controversy, controversy surrounding Dylan Brown. Uh, they had injuries, things like that. But there was also some good to come. I thought Brandon Hands, the young dummy half, uh, was a nice little find. He actually came through Penrith's system, had been with Para for a year or so uh, before getting a chance. Bryce Cartwright, I mean, the revival of Bryce Cartwright was highly enjoyable. Jermaine Hopgood, what a signing. Uh, so it wasn't all doom and gloom for Parramatta, but to go from grand finalists to a 10th placed finish with the team that they still had at their disposal definitely a fail season. So I'm going to preface today's preview with one question. Can Parramatta return to finals footy in 2024? All right, let's kick this bitch off with the Parramatta Eels coaching staff for the year upcoming. Head coach, Brad Arthur. Two first names. Now, I really like Brad Arthur. I think as a coach, what he's been able to do has been exceptional. Uh, But one thing I have in my notes here, Brad Arthur constantly seems to be under pressure. Even the season 2022, when they made it to the grand final, throughout that season, he was under pressure. And I think the fact that they made it to the grand final helped to alleviate some of that. But yeah, it's weird. I don't know if it's like the media, it seems to be, or what, but Brad Arthur, more so than a lot of other coaches, really doesn't have any room for error before it starts becoming the talking point, like should Eels get a new coach? And it's happened for years. And I need to give a massive amount of credit to the Parramatta Eels club for not bowing into that pressure at times and sticking by Brad Arthur. Because time and time again, we've seen him get the best out of guys like Bryce Cartwright, Isaiah Papali'i. We've seen him bring guys like Mitchell Moses uh, to the club as a young promising star who still had a lot of holes in his game to now a world-class halfback. Again, a player like Clint Gutherson, who came over from Manly, just looking for a chance. Under Brad Arthur, look at what Clint Gutherson has done. Uh, And this is just a couple of players amongst the full squad. Now, I've said it on past podcasts. I won't go back through and do the full history lesson here. Uh, But for those of you who may be a little bit younger, uh, maybe a bit more recent to rugby league, the Eels... Only a few years ago, they were the Tigers. I know Tigers now starting to turn things around, but think about what the Tigers have been for the last four or five years. That was the Eels. They could not get themselves off the foot of the ladder. Uh, Stephen Kearney had a really unsuccessful time trying to coach them. There was the infamous Ricky Stewart uh, board where he just put players on a board, said, you can stay, you can fucking go. 
basically as simple as that. Like all these names on the board that could essentially fuck off. The Eels were awful. Like think of every bad perception you have about the West Tigers. That is what Parramatta were. They were the bottom feeders of the NRL who just could not get their shit together. There was constant infighting. Uh, There was a lot of pressure from legends of the club for change. Enter Brad Arthur when Parramatta are at their lowest. He did not get this job at a favourable time. Brad Arthur has built this roster. He got them off the foot of the ladder almost immediately. Like there was immediate improvement and he took a side that were perennial wooden spooners to a grand final and has really built a roster that is sustainable. And when you look at the Eels now, very strong forward pack, like a world-class pack, world-class halves pairing. Uh, There is a bit to be desired across their back five, but still, from where the Eels were when Brad Arthur took over and where they are now, I mean, I, I think that gets slept on a lot. What a job he's actually done. And then there's the talk of, oh, but can he be the t- guy, you know, to take them to that premiership? Well, unless you're going to sign Wayne Bennett when he's leaving the Dolphins, like, how many guys are there on the market right now that can take you to that premiership? So I'm a massive believer in Brad Arthur, but I did write that in my notes because I have no doubt if Eels miss the eight again, he's going to be one of those coaches. The media every single year because it's not the fans it is like a very much a media thing fans don't sit at the pub and go like who's the next coach who has to go you know there are funner things to talk about but that is constantly a narrative as soon as we're like five rounds into the competition the media will pick a handful of coaches that are under pressure there'll be stories coming out and i just have no doubt if eels don't get off to a quality start brad arthur is going to find himself in the papers. Whether that's fair or unfair, uh, it's not really up for me to decide. But the media needs targets. Like, how many years, if any, have we had where there's no talk of a coach under pressure? Not just one. Like, we see multiple coaches all the time under pressure. I said, Brad Arthur, it could be make or break for him this year. Uh, He has an exceptional ability to maximize the talent at his disposal. He's built this very quality roster. Very massive year in the coaching career of Brad Arthur. Uh, And as far as the assistant coach, Trent Barrett. Had a couple of goes as a head coach as well at Manly and the Bulldogs. Uh, Been at the Eagles for a couple of years now. And yeah, Trent Barrett, he uh, has plenty to offer, most definitely, alongside Brad Arthur. And that's your coaching team. So we'll keep this train moving. Parramatta Eels best 17? Question mark. Uh, I am not a psychic. So I don't know what the best 17 will be. We're still yet to see trials play out. Uh, But essentially, this is just an educated guess to help paint a picture of what the Eels uh, as a full squad or a full team week to week could look like. Uh, At fullback, I think there's no doubt Clint Gutherson, one of the captains of the club, heart and soul player. Like, you think of a heart and soul player for Parramatta, that is Clint Gutherson. And despite, you know, being a really well-known player, I still think he's almost underrated. I don't know. 
if you can call Clint Gutherson underrated, but his positional play is out of this world. Like, I think one thing people don't realize is when the opposition team are trying to kick on fifth tackle, Clint Gutherson just pops up everywhere. It's so hard to find space uh, and get the ball to bounce because Clint, not only does he find the ball, uh, but his carries from kick returns are unbelievable. He has the ball playing, scores tries for fun, can do it all. And it's just that energy that gets the boys up week in, week out. So Clint Gutherson, he'll be the fullback, no doubt. Uh, And I thought last year, when Parramatta were in peak form and looking like they could actually make a late run for finals, there was no hotter player in their team than King Gutho. He was playing out of his skin. I think he's in for another big year. Clint Gutherson at fullback. On the wings, Micah Sivo. I think he's definitely got that left wing spot sewn up. I didn't have his best year last year, but I did see an article on Fox Sports uh, regarding preseason trials and fitness tests and things like that. And Micah Sivo, it wasn't just one, I think it was two or three areas where he was the leader at the club for fitness uh, and a few of the drills they were doing. So that would suggest to me that we're going to get the best version of Mike Acevo this year. Uh, On the right wing, this one uh, I find a little bit interesting. Sean Russell, uh, I think he'll most likely be the one to get the start. Played there toward the end of last year. Uh, But you also have Bailey Simonson. Now, that takes me to the centres. Will Penasini will definitely be that right centre option. Uh, Unfortunate that his brother Richard, Dick Penasini, uh, has done his ACL. Because double Penasini in the centres could have been huge. Uh, But they've brought over Morgan Harper. So I thought Bailey Simonson uh, was enormous last year. Was one of the form centres when Parramatta were going on that run. So that's one in the best 17 that I've got a couple of options. Bailey Simonson, does he play on the wing? Does he play in the centres? They've brought over Morgan Harper. I guess pre-season, we'll find out a bit more. In the halves, Dylan Brown, Mitchell Moses. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. But what does kind of concern me is, say they get really unlucky and both their halves go down. The depth. Last year, Ryan Matteson, world's biggest bloody 5'8", even though he did come through the grades as a half. Uh, That was when he was, what, 17, 18? Fucking different, different beast. Ryan Madison, the size of him now. So last year, Dejan Arcee, uh, who, as a Warriors fan, once a warrior, always a warrior. So I was stoked to see Dejan Arcee work his way into the team. Uh, but Arcee Madison were those next options. Now, one kid who's definitely in the frame this year, uh, the New South Wales Blues under-19s halfback, who we don't even know if he's going to be at the Eels next year, maybe off to the Canberra Raiders. Ethan Sanders, uh, who could come into play. So I think we may see Ethan Sanders get some game time this year, especially if Parramatta are looking to lock him down long-term, and Dejan Arcee. World-class halves pairing in Brown and Moses, but yeah, that is one thing when I look at this team. uh, As far as the depth, that that could be a point that has them undone. In the front row, Regan Campbell-Gillard, Junior Paolo, uh, Junior Paolo, co-captain. Fuck, 
that's really where eel's bread is butted, isn't it? That engine, the engine room, I can't speak English, are up front. Like so much of their game plan relies on Regan Campbell-Gillard and Junior Paolo. They're such big units. I mean, Paolo, given the size of the man, like his ball playing is exquisite. Unbelievable. Like he's got great footwork at the line, great ball playing, solid defense as well. Uh, And when you want to talk about defense, Regan Campbell-Gillard, one of the premier defensive props of the game. Uh, So that's definitely a highlight when you look at the Eels team, the front rowers, RCG and Junior Paolo. Number nine. Uh, This kind of, I'll circle back to what I said about, I think Reed Marnie is still a significant loss. No Josh Hodgson now. So Joey Lusick, we saw him return from St. Helens at the back end of last year. Uh, And Brendan Hands, who I thought did a great job last year, but he actually found himself out of the team once Joey Lusick arrived. Uh, So in the nine, my educated guess would be that Joey Lusick starts. Brendan Hands, number 14. But that's the beauty of trials. We'll get to see both guys put their hand up and try to earn the position. In the back row, Sean Lane and Bryce Cartwright. Uh, Bryce Cartwright, back to the Carty party. It had been a hot minute since we'd seen Bryce play like that. And it's not even that he returned to the form he was in back in the day at Penrith. He's a much more complete player than that. Like, this has been the best version of Bryce that we have seen. Uh, So that excites me a lot. Sean Lane, Bryce Cartwright. That's a back row combo you can hang your hat on. Jermaine Hopgood in the 13, phenomenal signing from Penrith, uh, long term, like what a leader, what a staple of the Ford pack. Jermaine Hopgood uh, on the bench. This one could be up for debate a lot more. Uh, Brendan Hands, Ryan Matteson, undoubtedly has to be in the 17. There was talk, ended up falling flat, was just a rumour that at one stage maybe Josh Adokar to the Eels. Madison to the Bulldogs. And honestly, I reckon if Madison went to the Bulldogs, they, they could be top eight. Such is how I rate Ryan Madison very highly. Uh, I think coming off the bench for Para, he has a huge role to play, mostly in the middle, but can play on the edge as well. But I am interested whether another side are going to have a look at bringing Ryan Madison in. I do wonder if maybe he's just too good to be coming off the bench. Uh, Kelma Tuilangi, who also like Morgan Harper coming across from Manly. Uh, I'm interested whether he will find himself on the bench, uh, but he will be a backup option to Sean Lane. Uh, and Joe Offahengawi came over to the club mid-season. He offers some extra starch to back up Paolo and of course Campbell Gillard. Some other options who I didn't have on the bench, but who I do expect to feature throughout the season, Wiramu Grieg, uh, who had a role to play last year. Kai Rodwell, uh, who has been around for a hot minute. Spent a lot of time in the juniors at the Rabbitohs. He's not a rookie by any means. Has played a pinch of NRL. uh, But Kai Rodwell is one who I think is maturing very nicely. I think he has a role to play this year for the Eels. The challenge, though, will be breaking in to this side because Fords, they have a pretty decent depth as far as their Fords. You also have young Hayes Dunster, uh, who we've seen for the Eels before. He'll be an option on the wing. 
Zach Sini, uh, he'll be in and around the team as far as depth. Jira Moimoi Asia, or Jira Moimoi Asia, that was wrong both times, uh, but fucking solid back rower. He'll offer some depth, came over from the Knights last year. I wasn't able to break into the team regularly, but solid depth. Dejan Asi, who I've mentioned, Makahesi Makatoa. May not be one of their star front rowers, but he has some real go about him. Also a veteran. Really had to work just to get into the NRL, and I don't think he would take any game for granted. And former warrior and bulldog Ofahiki Ogden. He was another one who did feature last year, and when he did feature, he played pretty bloody well. Uh, but I think the two biggest factors when you look at that best 17 for the Eels, uh, what really can take them to the Premiership, if all things go their way, I think it's their spine and their starting front row. Junior Paolo, Regan Campbell-Gillard, Dylan Brown, Mitchell Moses. That is a halves combination you can hang your hat on. Like, they complement each other very nicely. It's not a case of two players who have exactly the same game and the team kind of suffers from it. Like, Moses, he has his own unique strengths that he brings to the table that are elite. And Dylan Brown has his own unique traits that are also elite. Together, the combination, phenomenal. And with the guys around them, like Dylan Brown with Sean Lane, guys like Mike Acevo on the left, Mitch Moses, who really started to build an incredible partnership with Will Penasini out on that right side. Of course, Clint Gutherson popping up, roving all over the field. Like, there is a lot to like when it comes to the star players. Uh, as far as the spine position that does have a couple of question marks, that would be the number nine. Big opportunity for young Joey Lusick. I don't even think he's that young, actually. He's not that old, though. Uh, and Brendan Hands. Okay, talking points. We'll make these ones quick. I just have these in my notes in front of me. Contenders or pretenders? Question mark. Eels, every year, I, I really don't know. Because they are one of those teams where if they finish top four, like, it would be justified with the team they have, some of the form they can produce. But if they finish bottom four, like, that's also not going to be that shocking. Like, it will be shocking, but not that shocking. Because Eels are so inconsistent, and they're just... I, I think they're one of the teams, or potentially the hardest team, year to year, to get a read on. Because at their best, they could take out their premiership. But at their worst, like, they could be wooden spooners. So very hard to tell. Contenders or pretenders? Look, I think with this team, they're a lot closer to being contenders than being bottom four. But there is still a little bit of pretender about them. There is. And I find it's in their inconsistency, their inability week to week uh, to just keep that top form. It seems like they can go two weeks of great form, but then that third week, they shit the bed and they'll produce an absolute clangor, usually against a team much lower than them. So they are a head-scratcher. Uh, I'll quickly take you back to the series I did for the 2022 season, going into the year where Eels would made, uh, make the grand final. And I was having the same issue. I was like, fuck, do I have Parramatta? Because in this series, if you don't know, at the end, 
I'll give my prediction, ladder prediction for where I think each side will finish. On this particular season, I was just thinking with the Eels, like I think they're too good to leave out of the eight. They could embarrass me. But they could be one of those teams where going into the season, you think they're going to be top four and then they're one of the teams that majorly falls off. That's just the Eels in a nutshell. Like you really can't tell. But I ended up saying they'd come like sixth or something like that. What I also said though, uh, I had this vision. I don't know if you've ever seen That's So Raven back in the day when she would have like her visions. I had a vision. And this was why I didn't leave Parramatta out of my eight. I just, one brief vision, premiership trophy, and it was Dylan Brown, Mitchell Moses, and they were hoisting it in the air, even though they weren't captains. And so that year I picked Roosters to win the premiership. I didn't back the vision. Like, respectfully, there was no fucking way I was going to say Eels are going to win the premiership because that is ballsy. Like, like I said, they could miss out altogether. But you can imagine once it gets to the 2022 grand final and Parramatta are there, I started to question myself. I was like, am I a fucking psychic? Uh, but as it would turn out, no. No, I am not. Um, yeah, contenders or pretenders, that's the question. Lacking a strike center, that's the other talking point. I know they've got Will Penasini on the right, but the talk just never goes away that they need to find I mean, X Factor, if you will. We saw they were looking for fullbacks last year, interestingly. Uh, but a guy like Connor Tracy, a lot of fans had floated him as a potential option. There are so many other guys they could use. They chose Morgan Harper to bring over. But what I do wonder in all this talk of lacking a strike center, do they have one in their system already? Richard Penasini. I'm thinking maybe, just maybe they were looking at him and looking at the Penasini double in the centers. Of course, Rich Penasini has done his ACL, unfortunately. But they've got a very quality junior base. They won the SG Ball competition last year, which from memory is under 18s, I'm pretty or under 19s. Uh, so they won the SG Ball. There's definitely some good youngsters in their system that maybe, yeah, we've got some undiscovered gems and all this talk about maybe who they should bring in as a strike option. Well, Maybe it's all noise. Maybe the guy's there already. So that's a note I have as well. SG Ball premiers from the past season. Uh, and a bit later, I'm going to tell you my one to watch. Each, uh, each podcast, each club, I'm picking one young player to keep an eye on in the season. Uh, and I've picked a player who I think could be relevant to this center discussion. Uh, my pick for the Eels last year, one to watch, I went with Sean Russell. So that... Wasn't, wasn't a bad one. Anyways, uh, world-class halves pairing. Yeah, we get it. I've said that like five times, uh, but that's a major note for me. Halves had been an issue for years. I mean, every halfback had to go through the, he's not Peter Sterling. It's like, fuck. How many years ago was Peter Sterling? But it just wouldn't go away. They could not sort their halfback. I mean, they brought over Chris Sandow. They tried that experiment. Uh, and even in the halves in general, like we saw Corey Norman there for a bit, Ben Roberts, like there were a lot of halves. When they made the grand final 2009, Jeff Robson, Daniel Mortimer, interestingly. 
Mitchell Brown, Mitchell Brown. Holy shit, I've just created a new player. Actually, I think Mitchell Brown played... There was a Mitch Brown, he played for the Bulldogs. Getting off track, Mitchell Brown. Fucking hell. Uh, Dylan Moses, but no. Mitchell Brown, fuck. I said it again. <sighs> okay, stop. I was going to edit that out. Just give me one more chance. Dylan Brown and Mitchell Moses. In my opinion, best halves combination Parramatta have had for fucking yonks. For yonks. So, yeah, there we go. Mitchell Brown, bloody hell. Uh, potential Brad Arthur pressure. I've also spoken about that. But yeah, I think if they miss the top eight or if they're lingering, you know, outside of the eight mid-season, the pressure is going to grow louder. Onto the draw difficulty. Uh, according to Fox Sports and their lovely staff writers, uh, go the staff writers, they released um, like the Fox Sports Lab snapshot of the draw and ranked teams from quote-unquote easiest draw to the hardest draw. Interestingly, South Sydney, according to the lab, have the hardest draw. Uh, but of course we know like the numbers only mean so much. You can think it's going to be an easy draw for someone, but then all of a sudden, you know, you think the Warriors last year are going to be an easy beat, and then they're not the year before. You know, maybe the lab crunches the numbers. Cowboys are going to be the easy beats. Like, you can't really predict which of those lower teams are going to shoot up the table and which are going to fall off. But according to the laboratory, the staff writers in there, with their lab coats and such, uh, 11th for ease of draw. So they have the 11th easiest draw, which would actually suggest they have one of the harder draws in the competition. Uh, from memory last year, I can't remember the specifics of it, but I'm pretty sure Parramatta, there were, Parramatta had a couple of like just real shitty things. I think something to do with turnarounds. Can't remember. Don't quote me on it, but I definitely remember Parramatta. There are a couple of aspects of their draw uh, that were a bit of a kick in the teeth. Now I'm going to read you the analysis straight off the page of Fox Sports. Uh, this is what they've had to say about the Eels draw. The Eels have a favourable start to the season facing just two of last year's top eight teams in the Panthers round two and the Raiders round five. However, the Eels will need to win often early because their draw gets far more challenging later in their campaign, which I will touch on. Parramatta face heavyweights the Panthers, Broncos, and Storm twice. So all those sides twice. And they have a treacherous run home. So, sorry, my throat's giving up on me. The main takeaway from this draw, they need a good start. Early wins will be paramount, according to not just the staff writers, but I back that statement. Because I've got their run home in front of me, and I've also got their start. So first five games for Parramatta. Again, this goes back to kind of the main analysis from their draw. Early wins are vital. Vital, I tell you. Uh, especially when you think about last year, one of the things that really fucked the Eels, despite being one of the form teams through the mid-season, a poor start. So season opens at home. They'll be hosting the Bulldogs. Uh, on paper, very winnable game, you would suggest, but we are yet to see what improvements the Bulldogs have made. Uh, but you would say straight off the bat, 
That really is a must win for the Eels. Round two, they play the Panthers at Penrith. Last year, Eels actually had the wood over Penrith. Now, how much does that count for? Not too sure, but that'll be a banger. Then they play Manly at home. Uh, Easter Monday follows against the Tigers. And round five, Raiders in Canberra. And Raiders could drop off a bit. Like, I know they're considered in the draw analysis like a top eight opponent. But, yeah, if Eels can get some wins, beat Bulldogs, like, let's say they lose to Panthers, beat Bulldogs, then you've got a back-to-back of Manly and Tigers. Those are two games, if you do want to be gunning for a premiership and really be the strongest possible Eels, you should be endeavouring to win those games. Round 5, Raiders in Canberra. But, here's the real tough stuff. This is their run home. Now, their last bye will come in round 20. So that's pretty timely. Like, that doesn't make them have to play too many games in a row on the way to finals. So round 20, they get to freshen up. But get this. Round 21, Melbourne Storm at home. Round 22, so they play Melbourne Storm, top four team last year. Round 22, they travel to Auckland to take on the mighty Warriors. Up the fucking wires. Uh, so that, that's a tough road trip. And even if they get the job done, you have to fly to Auckland and then you're straight back to Sydney after. Warriors, a top four team last year. And whether they are there in that top four or not, for 2024, I, I still expect that to be a bloody hard game for the Eels. So Storm into Warriors in Auckland. You think it gets any easier? Nah. After that, they play the Panthers. Following the Panthers, they play the Roosters, who could be a much stronger threat this year than they were last season, that game at Allianz. And then they finish with the Broncos at Suncorp. So off the bye, Melbourne, Warriors in New Zealand, Panthers, Roosters, Broncos at Suncorp. I think that tells you all you need to know about just how bloody essential their start is going to be. If they can't get off to a decent start, if they're clunky, if they're inconsistent as we've known them to be, well, gee whiz, it'll be a miracle if they pull a run out of their ass on the run home. Oh, would you look at that? Look at what time it is. 10.18. No, it's actually the X Factor player time. Uh, each podcast for every club, I am picking one X Factor player. That being the influential superstar, uh, it can be up for interpretation. Doesn't mean they're best player, but who has that X factor? Who has that oomph? Who has that pizzazz? Mitchell Brown, you better believe it. Uh, no, Dylan Brown, I've gone with. D Brown. Uh, now, why is Dylan Brown my X factor player for the Parramatta Eels? I just think he offers so much, even at a young age. He's one of the best defensive halves in the game, has a phenomenal running game, elite partnership, not just with Mitch Moses, uh, but also with guys like Sean Lane, Clint Gutherson. Uh, and I just think Eels simply can't afford to miss Dylan Brown for extended periods this season. We saw him missing last year, seven-week suspension, uh, which he was, or pled guilty, I was going to say found guilty, Yes, he pled guilty to two counts of sexual touching. That's kind of uh, an uh, interesting one. 
won't make any comment on that, but he also had the stall incident in the past, which I don't believe it's illegal, uh, but it didn't reflect well. What's the, what's the word? Disrepute. Bringing the game into disrepute, which I, I definitely believe sexual touching does as well, especially if it goes as far as a court, because sexual touching, again, is not illegal, but obviously consent is key. And yeah, if you plead guilty then all of a sudden the sexual touching does have a bit of bringing the game into disrepute about it. Uh, but he's been put on, the, on notice by coach Brad Arthur, who's basically stated that Brown, despite being an amazing player, he's yet to live up to his potential. There have been a few of these incidents, uh, which I think you can put a lot of it down to maturity. It would be very hard, and I'm not making any excuses or justification, uh, but... I would imagine it would be hard to be a young player under all this pressure, under the bright lights, everyone's watching you. Everyone deals with pressure differently, and I'm not referring that to the sexual touching, uh, which is not good, not good. That's more so just the mis some of the mistakes he's making, uh, which seem to be maturity issues, mostly. But now for Dylan Brown, he is getting to that age where it's like, okay... Like, the last few years, you've still been at that age where, you know, a few fuck-ups, as long as they're not too bad, you can work with that. Now he's at the age where he's got to cut all of that out because the Parramatta Eels can't afford to miss Dylan Brown for even a smidgen. They just need him out there. Uh, his Pacific Championship form for the Kiwis, unbelievable. And when Dylan Brown is fit and firing and on the field, like, wowee, as just a neutral... Like, I am a Kiwi, so I am a big Dylan Brown fan. Uh, but as a Warriors fan, who, you know, I'm pretty indifferent to the Eels. I n neither love nor dislike them. Uh, but he's one of those guys, when I tune in to watch the Eels, that's one of the reasons I get excited to watch their games, because he's just an unbelievable player, but he's no longer a young gun. Dylan Brown is now a senior player, an international player, and the time has come for Dylan to repay the faith that the Eels have put in him. Now, they've stood by him through numerous challenges. They have also upgraded him and given him a hefty pay packet. So it all makes sense. Now seems like the logical time for Dylan Brown to really level up. He's got the combinations on the left. I'm really excited uh, if Mike Acevo is as fit as we're being led to believe. Because if he comes out firing, Brown, Lane and Sevo can be an absolute force out on that left edge. Uh, now, Dylan, you've also got a lot of stars around him. Gutherson, Moses, Campbell Gillard, Paolo. But I think those other guys, already with their actions, they are definitely leaders at the Eels. And I feel like Dylan Brown, uh, in terms of his leadership and kind of setting an example for some of the younger guys around him, I feel like he's still a tier below all those other guys and their leadership qualities. But I say this because I truly believe 2024 is going to be the year where Dill Brown levels up and goes from a star player to a superstar and, more importantly, a genuine leader within a side that could do with a couple more. All right, we are ripping through it today. A couple more things to get to before the final assessment. 
I'm going to let you know the full squad, uh, including gains and losses. So I'll go through their squad in a moment. There was one name, uh, and I believe they're train and trialists or New South Wales Cup squad. There was one name I was very interested to see, uh, who was a junior at the Penrith Panthers, who I thought actually might have been a long-term option at the Panthers. Uh, so firstly, let's get into the gains and losses. Double Seagulls, Double Coop, Parramatta have taken two Manly boys, Kelma Tuilungi and Morgan Harper. Good on them. Uh, 2024 losses, Jack Murchie, once a warrior, always a warrior, brother. Uh, he's off to the Huddersfield Giants. Good luck with that. Uh, Josh Hodgson, he's retired, not through choice, but unfortunately through injury. Love Josh Hudson. That sucks to see, but I believe he's sticking around in a coaching capacity. Andrew Davey also retires. Good on Andrew Davey. He was a late bloomer if ever I've seen one. A guy who just didn't give up. Like thousands, just countless of other guys who would have been his age at the time would have given up. And he just kept toiling away in reserve grade, Queensland Cup, and he made a pretty decent fist of a pretty short NRL career, bounced around a few clubs. Last year, I uh, was actually a highly valued member, starting for Parramatta. Uh, Andrew Davey, best of luck in retirement. Wanga Blake, who the club released, it's been announced, he's signed with St. Helens. Hopefully for Wanga Blake, uh, he can hit form again. Because there was a point where he was a killer. But, yeah, like, I don't know. I don't want to say any, anything disrespectful, but like it, it was bad. It was bad. I think Wanga Blake on the wing needs to be abandoned. I think centers in Super League, look out. He will kill it. But yeah, there are more than a couple of performances on the wing for Parramatta that, yeah. I don't know. I'm not a hater, so fuck it. We're not going to talk about it. Uh, anyways, Samuel Loizu. Uh, he's the other one they released, young center. I think he can play in the halves as well. He's picked up a train and trial with the West Tigers. Uh, so good on him, still got a fighting chance. He actually played one game of NRL as well for the Eels. Uh, so those are the gains and losses. Now I'm going to fly through the Eels 2024 squad. This is going to give you the full picture, not just the best 17. Uh, this is going to give you everyone. I'm not going to do it in depth, pretty much just going to say their names, uh, but there are some interesting ones throughout their development list and extended squad. Of course, SG Ball Premiers, so there are some young throbbers amongst it here. Uh, but I'll start with the first team squad. Dejan Arcee, uh, Dylan Brown, Regan Campbell-Gillard, Bryce Cartwright, Zach Sini, Matt Dury. I haven't given him a mention yet. He's back row, or he is a back row option. Came over last year from the Doggies. There was a point where Doggies had pretty high raps on him, so yeah, we'll see. Matt Dury. I'm pretty sure he may have even started last year. I can't fucking remember now. Hayes Dunster, Wiramu Grieg, Captain Clint Gutherson, Brendan Hands, uh, Morgan Harper, Jermaine Hopgood, Sean Lane, Joey Lusick, Makahesi Makatoa, Tony Mataali. I actually think played a bit of footy in the junior grades for Newcastle. Tony Mataeli. Uh, he's a back rower, 
Supposed to be a gun. I actually haven't seen a ton of him. He's supposed to be really, really fucking good. The issue, back row at the Eels. You've got Lane, uh, you've got Madison, you've got Cartwright, you've got Kelma Tuilangi, who they've brought over. Uh, so I'm not sure how much of Tony Mata'ali we'll see this year, but by all reports, kid can play. Uh, Ryan Madison, Jera Moimoyasia, somehow I just say his name wrong every time. Sorry. Jira, Jira. Uh, Mitchell Moses. Mitchell Brown. Shout out Mitchell Brown. Uh, Joe Offengawi. Offahiki Ogden. Junior Paolo. Also captain of the club. Will Penasini. Kai Rodwell. Sean Russell. Bailey Simonson. Mike Acevo. Blaze Talangi. I'll speak a bit more about Blaze in a moment. Um, he was involved in the SG Ball Premiership winning team if memory serves me correctly. Uh, Tevita Tamal Pino, Pinu, uh, he is a front rower, and Kelma Tuilangi. Then, this is where it gets quite interesting for me, the development list. Uh, now, I'm pretty sure all of these guys outside Luca Moretti, who featured a couple of times at NRL level last year, I'm pretty sure all the rest of these guys on the development list, SG Ball Premiership winners last year. So all highly promising young players. Every squad needs to keep an eye on the future. Parramatta's future could be brighter than we think. Uh, Jock Brazel, hell of a name, hell of a player, young back rower. Charlie Geimer, also a back rower. Luca Moretti, Ethan Sanders, uh, who the Raiders had signed, but there's some kind of cooling off period. Uh, so Eels still with a chance of keeping him, even though they've got Moses. Ethan Sanders... As I mentioned earlier, junior New South Wales Blues halfback. Pretty good young kid to have in your squad uh, in a pretty key position as well. And Sam Tuivati, who's a front rower. Now, that takes me to the extended squad. Extended squad, very interesting for me. I believe they'll be train and trial players, uh, but I'm just going to read through them. Matthew Arthur. That's right. Brad Arthur just thought, fuck, it's so much fun when my son plays on my team. The media are so chill about it. So he thought, you know what? Now that Jake's gone, I'm going to bring my other son through. Matthew Arthur, quality young dummy half. Did mention earlier as well. Number nine, a position definitely not locked down for the long term. So Matthew Arthur, uh, really excited to see his development. Dan Keir, uh, he's been playing with them at cup level for a couple of years. Played for the Raiders back in the day. At least junior grades never cracked NRL. Uh, but Dan Keir, solid back rower. Isaac Lumalui, wow. I actually fucking lost the plot tonight. Isaac Lumalume, uh, who most of you would know, a lot of people would know by now. I uh, was a junior at the Sharks, spent a bit of time at the Storm. I think he was even at the Bulldogs briefly. And now Isaac Lumalume has played for the Eels at NRL level, uh, but looks like predominantly be part of the New South Wales Cup team. Joshua Lynn, young 5'8", I'm pretty sure he also played in the team that won the SG Ball Premiership. Ethan Martin, but not Ethan, E-T-H-A-N, E-T-H-Y-N, Ethan Martin, Ethwine Martin, I like him already based on the name. Might have even played in the SG Ball Premiership, can't remember now. Arthur Miller-Steven, uh, we have seen him at NRL level. 
I don't know if I made this up or whether he's been injured. Uh, no, I didn't make that up. On 14th of November, it was announced that Miller Stephen would miss the entire 2024 season after suffering a serious knee injury at training. That sucks. That sucks. He's actually a cracking young player, is Arthur Miller Stephen. Uh, but yeah, unfortunate he'll be out for the whole year, as most likely will Richard Penasini. So that's a shame for two very promising young outside backs. And outside backs, probably the area where Eels would like the most depth. Uh, Saxon Pryke, he played in the SG Ball Premiership team. Locke Ford can play front row as well. Upper Twiddle, very, very exciting young fullback. But here is the name I mentioned earlier, who's come over from the Penrith Panthers system. Riley Smith. Now, I thought there was a chance, maybe, just maybe, that Riley Smith was going to be the long-term nine for the Panthers. They were actually playing him in the halves last year in the junior grades. Very solid cricketer as well. I'm pretty sure he had to choose uh, between whether he's going to be a high-level rugby league player or high-level cricketer. So the kid is an athlete, Riley Smith. I think amongst all this talk of Reid Marnie being a huge loss, uh, no clear option as far as the number nine, although I'd say Joey Lussick gets it. Riley Smith. I don't know how relevant he'll be in season 2024, but I think this could be a real watcher over the next few years. So Riley Smith, remember the name. Time for the one to watch. Uh, Now this is the third year running where I've done this series, one young player from every club to keep an eye on this season. Uh, Now, my one to watch for 2024 Parramatta Eels, I have gone with Blaze Talungi. Now, Blaze is an epic name, epic first name. Uh, But this kid, he can move. He's got some excellent footwork, equally as comfortable at 5'8", as he is in the centres. And Blaze Talungi, a member of the SG Ball Premiership winning team. Now, with all the talk surrounding the Eels and their need for a strike centre, it could turn out that the answer is within their squad already. Uh, I believe Blaise Talangi, if all things go well this year, he could really put his hand up, uh, maybe not for, you know, 2024 and regular action, but... There's definitely an opening in that back line, and I believe Blaze Talungi good enough to progress through and own that position. Uh, now, I expect Talungi to start in Jersey Flag under 21s. Uh, from there, I would say throughout the year, he'll progress to New South Wales Cup level, uh, get a bit of a taste of what it's like to play against men. And then, look, I really don't know if we're going to see Blaze Talungi in action this year, but I'm still putting him as my one to watch. I really do think if there is a young kid within this squad who can step up and really fill that role of a strike weapon on the edge, it's Blaze Talangi. And there could be a future option at 5'8 as well, but Dylan Brown, best year is still ahead of him. So I would say at the moment, uh, within the Eels system, Blaze Talangi, gonna come through under 21s, uh, cut his teeth in the centers, move through to cup level, Will we see him in the NRL this year? Not too sure. 
uh, but he is one I am keeping a close eye on. So one to watch for the Eels this year, Blaze Talangi. And that will bring us to the very end of the podcast, the final assessment for the Parramatta Eels. Uh, so I've got the key, the point of difference, and we're going to finish off with my ladder prediction. Now the key, consistency. Consistency is the key, especially early on, which I've already touched on. If the Eels remain the inconsistent side that we've come to know, then yeah, I just think finals is going to be beyond them. So they need to click into gear. A hot start is essential, but consistency across the entire season is what they need. Uh, So that's the key point of difference. I've gone with Regan Campbell-Gillard and Junior Paolo up front. Uh, In recent times, we've seen just how important it is to really have a game-breaking middle forward. Uh, For the Broncos, think Payne Haas, Pat Carrigan. For the Panthers, Moses Leota, James Fisher-Harris, Adam Fenua-Blake for the Warriors, uh, soon to be for the Sharks. With the Eels, they have two game-breaking middles and they do kind of structure a lot of their game plan around these big boppers. So that is a point of difference for mine. Obviously, in rugby league, the most important thing before you can score the tries and before you can come up with the flashy plays, you need a platform. And you're not going to get much better of a platform than RCG and Junior Paolo. So that's my point of difference. Now, let's bang out the ladder prediction. I've got the Eels finishing 10th. I think they'll have a quality season But where I see it coming undone for them is the run home. Uh, Now, if they get to the run home and they're sitting in the top four, well, then all of a sudden it's a different kettle of fish. Uh, But Parramatta, I don't know, they just, they're not a team that I trust wholeheartedly. Uh, So very interesting season ahead. I've got them finishing 10th on my predicted ladder. And with that being said, that is it. I don't have too much to say about them finishing 10th. I just, when I was kind of looking at the top eight, who I have in there, I can definitely see Parramatta playing finals football. But when I was looking at maybe the 10 or 11 teams I was thinking about for my predicted top eight, and thinking, well, which of these sides could potentially, you know, have a pretty poor season and kind of surprise us with a poor season, Uh, and the Eels stood out. I think there are still a few issues. They're back five, whilst there are some superstars in there. I think the back five, the lack of strike there, uh, they could find it hard to come up with points at certain stages. So we'll have to see how that develops, but there you have it. The Not Just a Sports Report ladder prediction, I have the Eels finishing 10th. Now, final thoughts ahead of the Eels season. Really keen to see if they can put it together, uh, just how strong they can be. Because Parramatta, even last year, when they didn't qualify for finals, there was a patch there where Parramatta was playing as good as any side in the competition. So at their best, definitely contenders. But there's just a few question marks for me. I think depth is the main one, uh, and I think the back five. If they lose Gutherson, if they lose Panasini or Sivo, all of a sudden I think, 
you know, they're significantly weaker with all due respect to the guys coming in to fill those positions. So I've got the Eels finishing 10th. What is next? South Sydney Rabbitohs. Uh, so they will be the last team from the bottom nine of 2023. Uh, and then after that, we'll be jumping in to the top eight sides from this past year. So South Sydney Rabbitohs are up next. At this point, I only have one team in my predicted top eight so far, that being the Cowboys, uh, who I've predicted to finish sixth. So now we've done the Eels, we will look forward to the Rabbitohs podcast up next, but that is it for today. As always, I must thank you very much for listening. Your support does not go unnoticed, very much appreciated. And until next time, take care of yourselves and have a belter of a weekend.